Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, WTIC-FM and WTIC.com. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning, and we are pleased to be joined by the outgoing Deputy Police Chief for Hartford, Brian Foley. An exit interview of sorts. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. How are you doing, Aaron? I'm well, and yourself? Everything's great. So you are nearing the end of your tenure in the Hartford Police Department after, what, 23 years? I am, yep. It's coming to an end. It's time to uh, time to hang them up. And there's, like I said, we're all, I, I always say we're, we're all very replaceable, and there's 10 people waiting to do my job better than me, so let's give them that chance. Now, you began as a cop on the beat, right? I did, yeah. Uh, and I hired in 94. Um, started out uh, in patrol on midnights, just like everybody else. I uh, did a good little beat in the West End uh, after that, and then just through a, a lot of lucky cases and some good case breaks um, that I was involved in as an officer. I got promoted to a detective and right into the homicide division, uh, and it was it was incredible, just an incredible, uh, like very lucky career. Did some time in internal affairs. Uh, and then um, from there, back to major crimes and uh, deputy chief, and then PIO. So it was a dual role that I had the last six years as a uh, deputy chief of the uh, detective bureau and also as the PIO. So it was a lot, and it's, it's, it's just been a lot. I'm tired every night, every night at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Something's happening, uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's time for me to sleep. What would you say your most rewarding role has been? Um, I've had several that I've I've loved. My as a lieutenant, I was in Frog Hollow. Uh, that was my that was the most fun I've had, and 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 uh, that was my favorite assignment that I had. But the, you know, where I've been the last six years, and what we've gone through here in the city of Hartford, as compared to nationwide, and all the problems that law enforcement has experienced, and some of the unrest and the demonstrations uh, that other cities have faced, uh, I believe. Uh, we were in a fortunate position in Hartford uh, to already have a good outreach program with our community. And while all this stuff was happening, uh, we did not have those problems in Hartford. So many people in Hartford care about what they do. So many people are involved. Uh, and so many people are eager to work with our police department and, and vice versa that whenever something did happen in Hartford, uh, there, there weren't those major incidents and uh, major di- disturbances and there weren't the riots that you saw. And we were able to watch other cities you know your fergusons your baltimores and and watch how they they stumbled on their police communications when critical and sensitive incidents happened based on that we were able to to plan how we would operate if and when something bad happens if and when a cop made a mistake uh or something sensitive happened in the community and uh, we've we've set some national trends on how we've operated uh, in regards to police shootings in regards to demonstrations and protests uh, we've been incredibly successful to this point, but that is largely in part to the, the great work of the women and men of the police department and also to our, our community members that really do care about the city so much. 
How important is transparency when you're trying to keep a lid on things? Everyone wants transparency and accountability out of their police department. You know, the next time there's a police shooting uh, anywhere, you know, in the state, just watch how long it takes sometimes for police departments to give you details about what happened. And when those details don't come out, when it takes time for police departments to even release a name of the victim or who the officer was involved, that builds and fosters distrust and people start to become paranoid that the police are hiding something. And that's not how you want to start out a, a critical police investigation is with the community thinking that they don't trust you when you're hiding something. Uh, we learned this early on watching uh, Ferguson, for example, and uh, we've had police shootings here in the city of Hartford and we've, we've done some very uh, new things. And one of them is when, it, when, when they, they rarely occur, you know, once every couple years we have something happen. Uh, we call community members down to the scene as it's happening and we invite them there. Uh, we show them a little bit more than what the general public would see. And these are our community partners. These are people that are active in the city. These are our stakeholders, our leaders in the community. And we invite them down to the scene and show them what's going on with the shooting. Uh, from there, within 24 hours, we've tried to get them into the police station, show them pictures, play them the audio dispatch, give them the officer's names, the officer's records, the victim's names, uh, their records. You know, just we try to open up as much as we can and then we let them tell the story, you know, because, you know, people aren't, not everyone's very trusting of the police department. Uh, so when you have the people in the community stepping up and saying what the police department's doing to ensure that this is an impartial uh, investigation, man, that's, that, I can't speak uh, how powerful that has been for us on many, not just police shootings, you know, excessive force incidents, uh, several types of things. You know, people aren't necessarily going to believe the police department, but they're much more likely to believe their neighbors and community leaders within their own community if they're telling the story for you. Uh, so that's the approach that, that we've taken. It's, it's received some national attention, and it's been successful. That must also help in your investigations, too, maybe getting information you otherwise would not from your community partners. Unfortunately, we have a homicide or two in Hartford that we have to deal with. We don't solve any of our homicides without some sort of community involvement. Uh, and, and probably five or six years ago, we recognized that there was a need for more of that, uh, that we needed the, the citizens to feel more confident and to trust us to come forward. Uh, and again, we've been successful. There's so many ways for them to reach us now, you know, on social media, uh, on our website, anonymous tips, uh, of course, the phone the phone calls, but there's, there's a lot of ways to reach us. Uh, we have so many connections, so many relationships that we've built and fostered over the years within our communities, within our neighborhoods, uh, that have helped us get the information that we need. And sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll go to them and say, hey, we have part of this investigation solved and we need your help to find out X, Y, and Z. Uh, and they'll come forward and they'll help us and uh, these, these neighborhood groups. And it's been fantastic because they don't like seeing people die in their street corners and in their driveways any more than anybody else. And, and it's, it's, there's traumatized neighborhoods out there, traumatized kids. Uh, and they're looking to break that cycle, and it's just been going on for so long. Uh, everyone wants to break the cycle, and, and I'm confident that the city of Hartford is going to break the cycle. It is definitely heading in a positive direction. There's no doubt about that, as uh, the numbers will tell you, both on the crime side but also on the fiscal side. Uh, the city's a great spot, and it's moving in the right direction. What other changes have occurred since you first started in September 1994? You know, there's been a cultural change. Um, you know, the, the, the onset or the, the influx of cameras in our society uh, really has changed the culture of the police department. And, you know, it's, been, it's, it's kind of odd that over the last five years, you know, the studies are coming out now that body cameras don't have that much of an effect when an officer wears a body camera that, that really doesn't change their behavior. 
Whereas ten years ago, they would they did that study, and you know it was very clear, very clear that body cameras affected how an officer performs their job. Now that's changed. Well, we believe now because an officer feels they are pretty much under video surveillance or on somebody's security camera or cell phone camera at all times, and they have to perform that way. Uh, and you know all the all the stuff that's going on with with social justice and police reform and the protests and everything. Deserved or not deserved, the one positive outcome that's going to come out of that is police officers are going to do their job better, and we're going to start doing, but performing how we are, are, perform our jobs in the community. We're going to be doing it better. Uh, so, yeah, maybe we're, maybe some of the attention we deserve and some of the criticisms uh, we don't deserve. So, the bottom line is either way, we're going to be doing our job better. So that it, it's an improvement for us, and and you know, in Hartford, we do try to embrace our critics, and 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 that's the only way we're going to improve. How much of an impact do you think all of the community policing efforts have had on, you know, it's been years since state troopers were sent out onto the streets of Hartford, the bad old days of the 90s I'm thinking about. Yeah, you know, the, the, the street, sweep the street corners and arrest everyone out there and, and that's hanging around out there, it really does not have a long-term positive effect on the community. We know this. This is this is a definite thing. We can go out there, uh, we can have a huge police presence in a, in a poor neighborhood and we can lock up everyone that's hanging around the street corner, but really, what does that solve? It's going to displace some of the, the crime that's going on and that'll move to another neighborhood. Uh, it's going to impact the family and the people that are getting arrested, and now they're going to have to do some time and then come out and then re-enter into our society. And that's uh, that's the pattern we've been in, and, and we're, we're, some people believe we're over-policing our poor population. Uh, so, But there's also victims in these neighborhoods, too, that deserve uh, police attention as well. So it's a balancing act that we have to perform, and that's what our community wants. We, we, we let them, to some degree, uh, dictate exactly how they want their, their community policed. And so we we try to do it as best we can. In recent years, the opioid addiction crisis has taken a significant toll. Do you think we're finally moving in the right direction? You know, it's funny. Um, we've been in, a, we, in the city of Hartford. We've been in the front seat, uh, front row, observing the opioid crisis, and it's nothing new since I've been here uh, in '94. The heroin's been an issue in, in Hartford. It's never been as bad as it is now but we were we were at the cutting edge of it and when we started to publicly come out saying hey we have an opioid crisis and we have an o overdose crisis uh, other people in the region other towns in the region didn't quite see it that way and did not want to be open about it and people struggled with coming out and saying hey this is something we have to talk about and we can't keep in the shadows anymore i put on twitter once some empty heroin bags i found in my hometown and i actually got a uh, my the town manager made a complaint to the mayor and the police chief that I had put made those pictures public and, and what does that say about the town. Uh, on the flip side of the coin in Hartford, we were trying to get the bags that were, you know, causing the overdoses out to our user population to let them know that, you know, there's, there's an overdose crisis going on. We were working with legislators to try to improve um, how painkillers are prescribed. Uh, we were trying to work with our addicted community on how to get them more services and with Demas as well to help get them into the fold. And it has had a, a positive effect in that. And it's early right now. What are we, five months into the year? Uh, but there's been a significant drop in our overdoses in the first five months of this year, as opposed to the last uh, three or four years where we've seen just such an incredible climb. 
it's still high. The number of overdoses is still high, but but and it could be an anomaly over the last five months. But but our our overdose numbers are down this year. Uh, that that is very clear. This is a problem that knows no bounds in terms of rich or poor or urban versus suburban versus rural it it's everywhere no and you know I, I spoke about the assignment that i had as a lieutenant in frog hollow on that frog hollow is is uh, without question unfortunately uh, an area in which uh, heroin is incredibly prevalent and we're going back 10 years now uh, eight to 10 years and we would do operations where we would um arrest the buyers uh, as they come in and that's you get the buyers and then you work your way up to the dealers uh, is is the pattern that we would do, and so we get the buyers, and when we do these these operations, you'd have a moment of of clarity to talk to them, uh, and you see their human souls bared, and they're about to go to jail, and you can see that they're good people, then they're just suffering from addiction, and you you know we would ask them, you know what happened? How you know, you're a good person? How did you end up in these circumstances, buying drugs on the street in Frog Hollow in the middle of the night? I mean, what what's going on? And you know, nine times out of ten literally nine times out of ten or more they all said it started with painkillers uh be it uh from the dentist when they got their wisdom teeth pulled or when they were working and they broke their arm uh or they're at a party with friends and they popped a pill and and so that's how nine out of ten started with that and that's when you get to realize that our country's in a crisis with the prescription painkillers uh and what happens is when they can't afford the painkillers they stop getting the scripts for them uh, heroin's a much cheaper alternative and that's where they end up turning to uh we were lucky to be at the, the front of it i believe we are ahead of the curve and getting out of it but you know it took us a decade or so to get into this crisis it's going to take us a decade or so to get out you're listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Deputy Police Chief Brian Foley with the Hartford Police Department, counting down his final days on the job before a new challenge. How much worse would the opioid crisis be if it, if it were not for Narcan? It's funny. Um, Narcan was was an, um, an amazing drug. I hadn't uh, I hadn't heard of it for my first couple of years on the on the job, and you know we were responding to overdoses often. Uh, and unfortunately, the people would die right out there. And you know maybe they get them adrenaline, get them in an ambulance, and get them to the hospital. But you knew it was going to be a fatality almost every single time. I remember in the, the mid-90s, I was on uh, Putnam Heights, and EMS workers came up, and they were talking about they had, like, a, a paramedic that could issue Narcan right there on the street. And uh, back then they did it, but they, they injected it with a needle, so they had to set up, a, you know, an injection point. And the guy was dying, and I'd seen it, you know, too many times already. Uh, and I was I was certain this person was going to die of an overdose. And uh, the paramedic said, well, just watch this. And and I watched, and, and sure enough, the person who was breathing once, literally breathing once every 30 seconds, foaming at the mouth and, and in the pattern to be dead soon, uh, within two minutes sat up uh, and was talking like nothing ever happened. I couldn't believe my eyes. I said, that is an absolute miracle drug. Uh, and since then, and now we're up to the, the nasal spray where they literally spray it in somebody's nose like a nasal spray, and uh, they're getting the, the dose of Narcan that they need. I can't imagine... It would the epidemic would be in, incredible. It would it would be plague like uh, if it weren't for Narcan right now. I, it just it, it's it's a daily occurrence where someone's getting uh, brought back to life literally by Narcan. We all know policing is not an easy job, but it can also be rewarding. Make the pitch to someone who might be thinking about a career in law enforcement. Why should they pursue it? You know, we're really trying to reach out to the the people in our city to become cops. And, and you know, that and honestly, you know, maybe six years ago, we had put out a a posting for a, to become a police officer in the city of Hartford, and very few people from the city came forward to take the job. And you know, the, the job pays pretty decent. 
the, the, the benefits are above average, very, very good. And no one was coming forward to become cops in the city. And we began to realize that's probably because of our relationship uh, with our with the residents in the city. So we realized we had to start improving it. And now we have them coming forward. But the, the, the effect that people can have in their own community, becoming police officers, affecting change, bringing about reforms, uh, is incredible and incredibly rewarding and, and we have our, our, our applications from city residents is is skyrocketing uh, now as people are starting to grasp this as our relationships uh, with the police and community have improved uh, but but boy it's been Aaron it's been a, uh, an incredible career the opportunities to help people are, are too numerous uh, to mention but I've seen the human side uh, of this world uh, in this job and to see the the great things that people do every day and all you see is the negative sometimes and all you see is the shootings and but boy there's so much good good out there it's really restored as of late especially it's really restored my faith in humanity you know that officers stabbed in the in the throat uh, last week and and the maintenance workers uh, stepped up risked their own lives to to help save the officer and they did and and just to see that is is just it's it's it restores my faith in humanity but i'm tired it's been a long time i could have retired four years ago i'm i'm ready now and it's time to try something different but i am so fortunate and blessed to be able to work in the city of hartford and have the honor and privilege to serve the citizens not even thinking about all your other duties media relations alone (laughs) your phone rings at every hour of the day and night how do you handle that? You know, it's, it's, it, it, it was a change. Um, but, you know, I felt that, that if you just answer your phone, you, well, here's the thing. Our relationship with the community was not great. And our relationship with the media was worse, you know, eight years ago. And we, just, we, we, we thought pretty common sense told you your relationship with the media is directly reflected, or your relationship with the community is directly reflected with your relationship in the media, and vice versa. Uh, so if you have a bad relationship with the media as a police department, the community is probably going to have a bad relationship with you too, because they're all they're seeing is is not a whole lot of good stuff out of the police department based on what the media is saying. So we decided to embrace the media, which doesn't really go on in law enforcement. You know, early on in my career, we were trained that the you know, media is your enemy and they're going to burn you. And uh, that has absolutely not been the case here in the Hartford region. The me- everyone in the media here, Aaron, your station, and, and everyone else has been incredible uh, to the police department and to us. And if we have good stories, they put them out. Now, on a national level, things have been not so balanced and, and sensationalized. But I can tell you, you know, and everyone wants to criticize media, don't do it locally. They're, everyone here is uh, pretty balanced. Uh, but... but uh, very important that we establish a positive relationship, all police departments, with transparency because that is reflected in the community and what what they see in the media is uh, what they're going to feel about you. And, and when something bad happens, when the police officer makes that mistake or something, uh, fatality occurs with a police officer and you need to have a relationship with your community, when that incident occurs, that's not the time to start being transparent. When that incident occurs, that's not the time to start building your relationships. You need that foundation built years, literally years in advance. And so we wanted we wanted the media to trust us and to know we're here and to know we're transparent. And uh, it's 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 been successful, and I've been fortunate enough and uh, privileged enough to re- represent the city of Hartford. Do you hear from other law enforcement agencies about? How do you build that bond? What's the first step? Yeah, we do get a lot of uh, we do get a lot of questions on how we do certain things, uh, respond to protests, um, reaching out to community members, and uh, poli- responding to police shootings. Uh, you know, just 
just being honest and being friendly. The first step is being transparent and answering your phone when they call. When some of the community calls, answer your phone. It's pretty simple. You know, and some people look at the value. Some people, when they get off their off off of work at five o'clock, they shut off their light, close their door, and they go home. In Hartford, uh, you know, as a Hartford cop, I've always felt that I'm beholden to the community, uh, and that's not a nine to five job. And you know, you know, when when a Reverend Brown calls at uh, nine o'clock at night. You know what? I got to answer it, and I'm going to find out. He's got to have a problem, and I want to be there to help him. Uh, and and I, you can bet, if I were to call him at nine o'clock at night, he'd answer his phone too. So I owe, owe him that respect, as with anybody uh, in the community that that reaches out to us. So uh, just being there, being honest, and answering your phone, and and involving them in your processes. Look at we we police the community, we represent the community. They are the community. They should have some say and role in how they're, they are policed. Uh, and these are, these are the stakeholders, the leaders, the good people in the community. Uh, they should have a say in, 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 in direct involvement with the police department. Uh, and that's what we've been trying to do in Hartford. It's been uh, fairly successful. Often it's the, the negative things that make the news. Talk about some of the positives in the Hartford Police Department. I'm thinking things like PAL. Yeah, you know, well... well I, Media, like I said, people criticize the media for not putting positive things out. I can tell you that's not the case. Uh, with all the stuff that's been going on about uh, social justice and police reform, uh, media in, in our region is thirsty to put out good things uh, about police officers, and they do. And there's so many good things that go on every day. And that's part of the cultural change in the police department. Every day I'm getting pictures sent to me of cops doing really great things in the community, above and beyond uh, what they're doing. And just, these are just such great images to have out there of police officers. Because believe me, the bad ones will come out here and there, too. Uh, we just have to drown those out with all the day-to-day great things uh, that our officers uh, do do out there. Our PAL program uh, is, you know, it's so much more than just playing basketball in the afternoon with kids. It's a police activities league. Uh, we're doing so much with them. It's about schoolwork. There's homework. Uh, it's about nutrition. That's so important in our, in our poorer communities is nutrition. Uh, it's about mat- uh, brain maturity and, and establishing, you know, a, an intelligence at an early age and, and getting the, the kids that are involved in PAL to mature and become successful adults and it's not you know it's more about that than it is about sports uh, but often sports is a good conduit to to achieve that so very successful your 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 successful city police departments have successful pal programs uh, so we've we've invested in that a lot project longevity is another big initiative in Hartford look at we arrest people all the time for crimes and darn near every time I put out something to the media saying hey we arrested this guy you can look, and I'm saying he's been arrested 25 times, 30 times, convicted felon, you know, has a gun. And what you start to realize is, you know, this might not be the police department's fault that the crime's like this because we're arresting the right people. They just keep coming back into our population, and they're not getting the reentry services that they need to succeed. And then they repeat, they become repeat offenders, and recidivism becomes the issue. So reentries are biggest challenge for our uh, community. With people coming back from prisons, doing their serving their sentence, coming back into the community, we're not looking to we're not looking to, to for these people to not succeed and keep punishing them. You know, we need to embrace them, get them jobs, get them working again. Otherwise, the cycle continues. Uh, so the so Project Longevity and PAL are probably our two greatest um, outreach efforts. So you're a young guy. What's next for you? <laughs> uh, we could debate that. As I said, I started in '94, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not a young guy, and, and I'm sure uh, 
there'll probably be a young woman or man that's going to follow me in, in my footsteps here at the job and, and uh, do my job better than me, hopefully. Um, I'm going to stay active in the community. I, I'm on several boards of volunteer efforts, uh, the, the Urban League, uh, Julio Zada Foundation, uh, the Hartford Marathon Foundation, the Yard Goats Community Outreach Board. And, and so these, these are groups and others. These are groups that I'm uh, very close with, and I want to continue uh, to uh, involve the police uh, in, in, in those efforts. So uh, I'm going to stay close. I'm going to stay employed in the city of Hartford with a, with a, co- a company in Hartford and um, hopefully keep, keep my efforts uh, moving forward. And uh, I'm, gonna, I'm always going to be here to promote Hartford. I'm always going to be a fan uh, of Hartford and of uh, the police department. So um, I'll be continuing to do that. Aaron is, is exactly what I'm going to do. Outgoing Hartford Deputy Police Chief Brian Foley, thanks so much for joining us this Uh, morning. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.